As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. And welcome to From the Rooker End, brought to you by The Athletic. It's it's Friday night. And you know what? We, we, we haven't had Friday nights where Watford are playing on the television away and you, you you can't make it up after work and you just want to meet up with your mates at the pub, have a beer and talk about football. So that's exactly what we're going to do on this here podcast. My name is John and with me is Mike. And unfortunately, so far, this Watford performance is putting me off my Friday night dinner. Well, it is uh, 23 minutes into Watford uh, nil, uh, away at Stoke, who are also on nil. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's not the greatest. Jason is here, all, here also. Good evening. And Colin. Good evening. We're looking at this, this team so far, and it's... We had, you know, you, you see the teams come out. You go, oh, yeah, I reckon that's a, a four-three-three, and then someone says, oh, I think it's a four-four-four-four-two. Uh, you know, and 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 it started a little bit weird, hasn't it, Jason? With where everyone's playing, and it's it's not settled at all, has it? No, not at all. We we saw the lineup, and I think on the WhatsApp group and on another WhatsApp group I'm on, we're all assuming it's going to be four-three-three. Go on, Husey, that's it. But it certainly started with uh, a four-four-two. With cleverly starting on the right, right now yeah. appears, or he had gone to the left, and Sar had gone to the right. Now it looks like Cusey's on the left with Sar on the right, and it <laughs> it really is. It, it it's taking the word fluid to the extreme. I feel <laughs> um, I, do, I do like a fluid team. It's but a high moment, viscosity, it's... no low viscosity. <laughs> Jay, can I ask a can I ask a question of all of you then? Just on that on that point, why in in that right midfield role is are we not playing Philip Zinkenagel from the start? <sighs> Don't know. I would expect him if it was four four two. You'd expect him to start either right or left. So him on one side, Sar on the other. Semmer's not in the squad at all. But you'd expect you know Zinkenagel with his quick feet, attacking intent, his um, assist record. You'd have thought that he'd be a shoe in for for trying to create something, wouldn't you? It's uh, it's peculiar. Colin, Semmer's been rested. They said that on the build up okay. on Hornet Hive. So I don't think he's injured. He's just been rested. He has played a lot of Fair football. Zinkenagel played thirty minutes, which is the ideal 
set up for a game three days later, you would think. He's, he's experienced the match. We've won the game and he's there. He's ready uh, to go on. We've just moved the ball out to Sol on the right-hand side and he's just crossed it in and he's hit the first man, gone out for Watford throwing. But so it is a bit of, a, it's perplexing when you, because we know that Cleverly and Hughes are not wide players. In fact, Hughes doesn't have the pace to play wide in my mind, to my mind. He's much better centrally organising, organising people and, and, and spraying the ball left and right. You put him out wide and it's, he, he, he's easy to defend against because he really hasn't got any pace. So it is perplexing why Zinconagel isn't on the pitch. We can only hope that Munoz is thinking, well, I'm just going to hold him back and release him, you know, once, once the Stoke players maybe are getting a bit tired. But um, yeah, it's, it's an odd one. You know, it might be the fact that he played his season until not that long ago. So he has played football for quite a long time. Yeah. And he might not quite be, they think, up to the the rigours of the championship quite yet for, uh, for the full 90 minutes. But it's interesting the fact that they don't start with him and make changes rather than don't start with him and then put him into the team. I mean, it's, it's ironic, isn't it? We started talking after, what, 25 minutes and all of a sudden Watford have got into the opposition half, which is why we might be a little bit hesitant. <laughs> but well, the Michael, 25... there was many years where uh, every time we started recording many podcasts, Watford did score goals. Uh, <laughs> so this might be it. Hang on. There goes, oh, no. Pedro, bless you, mate. But, but I, I just wonder whether the fact that, you know, it's taken 23, 24, 25 minutes for Watford to really have any amount of time at all out of their own half that that suggests what the game plan is, um, and that in turn would explain why Zinkenagel isn't playing, is that they're just there to soak up pressure and hopefully hit Stoke on the break. You can only assume, I guess, that that's the, that's the game plan because really, for the first, at least for the first 20 minutes, uh, while Stoke haven't really had many clear-cut chances, uh, well, any really, but it has, all, it has been all Stoke, hasn't it, for the first, first quarter of the game? Well, we'll see how this sort of pans out. But, of course, the thing you always do on a Friday night when you're in the pub and having a chat, you do talk about what's happening on the, t- on the television, but you have those like, weird conversations, don't you, about the slightly obscure, let's say. And we, we asked you for, uh, on, on Twitter for some what I call non-serious questions, uh, and you got some beauties. Thank you so much. There's one um, that we, we, was asked of us, and then somebody uh, answered it, and I was a little bit like... I don't think you quite... No, no, that's, that's not... That, no, you're wrong. So we asked on sort of non-serious questions, and we've got a few we're going we're gonna to bring up. We've got a question from Dorota at WFC Mumsy. And, and it's interesting, which Watford player would m- be most likely to win Dancing with the Stars, I'm a Celebrity, X Factor, and be the next member of Parliament? <laughs> it's quite interesting because we had one reply from uh, Wirral Hornet, Steve. So, Steve, thank you so much for getting involved, but you're completely wrong. Um, <laughs> dancing with the stars, or, or, you know, Strictly Come Dancing, he says, Disco Cali. I'm sorry. I, well, you're not thinking about what it takes to win this. Would he be a good, char- a good participant? In his prime, absolutely he would. But... I don't think he could do the, the, the full story all the way through. And I've, I've just got to go Ben Foster. I think he'll have the stamina. All the cycling, Ben Foster, I think he'll have the commitment, the freedom. We've seen the freedom he has, um, the jokey side of him we've seen through his YouTube channel. I think Ben Foster has everything it well, takes. John, you've, you've pulled up Steve for his, um, for his suggestion. I'm going to pull you up for your suggestion there. Go on then. So we've, we're, we're seeing up, him up top <laughs> this evening. So we're talking about dancing. So you need quick feet. You need, uh, you need to have been brought up with, with rhythm and uh, an understanding of how important music is. And for me, 
for a dancing show, look no further than our boy from Brazil... João Pedro, sure. No, no, I don't yeah, think... T- yeah, I'm going with João Pedro, I'll tell you why, because he's very young, he's very good-looking, everyone's going to want to vote for him, he's a lovely, smiley guy, I, I'm, yeah, and I bet, he can, I bet he can dance the backside of a donkey. And I'll and I tell you what else, John, I think you mentioned Ben Foster, I think he would be a shoo-in for I'm a Celebrity. Good, good, um, yeah. good guy, willing to yeah, muck good in. chap. Yeah, mm. nice to have around the place, willing to sort of... Um, have a giggle. He'll be. He'll get the tasks done. Um, we'll see more of it. You know that famous meme where he goes. Woo! We'll see some more of that when he's putting his hands in buckets of mealworms and stuff. Up so the I, cockroaches! Up the cockroaches! <laughs> I am firmly going to go for João Pedro for for any dancing based ones, and uh, Super Benny Foster for um, I'm a celebrity, especially as he's out with an injury at the moment. I was going to say I know who wouldn't win strictly come dancing. That'd be uh, Ishmael Sarks. He'd be tripping over his partner's feet. <laughs> <laughs> Jason, Jason, no harsh, no harsh. The other one is is member of parliament. Who has the ah. the personal bit, the personability, personability, uh, and the, you know to get the votes and then to to be able to to do such a a high value role. Colin, who past or present, past or present? Two candidates, I think, out of the present squad. One is Tom Cleverley, I think would make a great MP. But I'm actually going to plump for Truce de Kong because he's got that. Big personality. I think he could win people over. I think uh, he's a man who likes... Uh, he looks to me like a man who can get things done. If he was standing in my constituency, uh, I would definitely consider voting for him, definitely. OK, so there you go. Uh, WFC Mumsy. I've got an MP. I've got an MP for you. I was going to say Andre Gray, because he seems to be very good at making mistakes in both his public and private life. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag satire. <laughs> Oh, well, it's still nil-nil, um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's just gone 32 minutes. We'll, we'll, let's see how this Friday night cat continues. A Watford FC podcast brought to you by The Athletic. This is from the rookery end. Uh, it's half-time now, um, and there's some lovely adverts on the television, uh, but what's been happening on the pitch? <laughs> the answer is not lots of lovely things on the pitch, is it, Mike? It's just... It's just it's a, it's not it's a, it's just a nothingness really, isn't it? The problem I've had with Watford for the majority of this season is, and and this sort of was brought into sharp focus on on Tuesday night before the Barnsley game. Part of my role for Opta is I have to research the opposition formation and work out how they're going to play, uh, and report that back. And Barnsley uh, Barnsley played three four three 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 virtually every time this season with a clear game plan, a clear set of tactics, and I thought that showed to a degree on on Tuesday. They knew where they wanted to be, they knew what they wanted to deliver, they knew where each other were going to be, they were comfortable in their own skin. And it struck me, you've never really got it with Watford this year, that they felt like they know, everyone on the pitch knows what their job is and knows that they can rely on each other, knows what they have to do to try and move the sort of game forward, try and win the game. At home, we've done a good job of of nicking most games, we've got an incredible home record, but away from home, it disintegrates almost entirely and and that unfortunately has been the case again this evening watching the game at uh, at Stoke there just doesn't seem to be any shape we've already talked about the sort of the slightly odd choice of personnel we're just seeing replays now the foul on Adam Messina in the penalty area I mean why that wasn't a penalty is is beyond me but if that was a penalty and we did score it I think it would have flattered us enormously because there's just no 
I, I don't really know what they're trying to achieve. The, the shape seems to be missing. The, 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 there's no dynamism. There's no cut and thrust. And whilst, yeah, we've managed to stay in the game, Stoke haven't, haven't scored, which is obviously good. But they have, you know, they've had, they've had sniffs. Batman hasn't had saves to make, but there's been a couple of decent shots off target. There's a, the ball flashed across the middle and they probably should have at least got a shot on target. So it's just a huge concern and it, and to be honest it baffles me how a team who is so good at home albeit without being the the finished article can then go away and just look so devoid of shape inspiration and threat really it's it's quite astonishing to watch in a lot of ways yeah up to joe uh, tweeted early on what for the lowest scoring away team in the championship with five goals uh, but scored more at home in uh, than any other side with 23 but jason i suppose that the big question is what are you going to do to change it? And, <laughs> you know, what, what can we do to add a little something to this team? Find some sort of focus to go and, and score a goal, hopefully. I think the, the obvious thing, I think it's probably bring on the zinc man. Uh, Element we 20. Were, we, were, <laughs> we were talking about that before and sort of questioning as to why you wouldn't bring him in without Semmer anywhere near the squad. So... Yeah, come on, let's let's give Zinc Man a, a go. We've we've heard all about him. I'm sure we've all seen uh, how good he is on YouTube, which is a very dangerous thing. What we need to do, we need to see him out on the pitch and get a decent amount of game time. And this looks like the perfect opportunity for him to come in. We can see that we, we're using a, a central midfielder in one of those wide positions. It isn't quite working. So let's stop putting round pegs in square holes. Let's get a winger on the pitch to play in that wide position. And then perhaps we'll be able to play more to our MO. Because our MO so far under Cisco has been to, to get it wide and, and use the wingers. So how will that work if you're playing a central midfielder in one of those key positions? Let's get Zinc on and let him show us what he can do. Yeah, who taking off though, Jason? Is it is it Troy Deeney? Because I'm not quite sure if he's really playing in this game. He's, he's, he's very quiet. You know, you could do because you could you could take him off. He's been dropping deep quite a lot, but still not really been involved as much as we'd like like him to. So perhaps you could push Hughes into that position um, and leave Chalibur and uh, Cleverly in in central midfield behind him and sort of almost play a four two three one because we're effectively doing that anyway. The the amount of times that sort of Troy's dropping deep with Pedro sort of on the. Uh, on the shoulder of the of the last man defence, trying to get him behind, but we're not really getting him behind either, are we? So it's uh, yeah, it's it's a tricky one. I, th- I think I would take I think I would take um, either Deeney or maybe Chalibur off if you're going to stick to a four four two. I mean, if you want to take Deeney off, why not bring Gray on? What do you think of that, Colin? Yeah, that would be my shout. Get Deeney off, get Gray on, get Chalibur off. He's given the ball away about four or five times in dangerous areas, right in front of our box. Get the zinc man on. Just revert to the Hughes-Cleverly central midfield partnership, which has been working really well. Very kind of active and lively and dynamic uh, against Barnsley. And really, once we got hold of that game, they really bossed it in that area. Chalabar tends to slow things down, doesn't make his decisions very quickly. When he does, he tends to pass it inaccurately, often giving the ball away or getting it nicked off him. So for me, Chalabar off gets Inconagal on in a wide position, presumably down the left because, you know, Sar's favourite position is on the right. And I would have Dini off. Dini really hasn't affected... Uh, the games very much. He has scored his penalties, but in even in the past, in the Barsley game, the game before that, haven't really seen him really affecting the opposition in the way that he used to and helping us. He doesn't hold the ball up. He doesn't get in behind. 
Uh, when he comes short and receives it, he doesn't seem to know exactly what he wants to do with it. He sort of dwells on the ball and then tries to find a pass. He's, he's really not being very effective. So I would, I would go all out with Gray, stick him on the shoulder of the Stoke defender, uh, and uh, and try and get that, that that ball through to him. But um, yeah, playing a central midfielder on, on on the width when you've got a wide player sitting on the bench that that doesn't make any sense to me. So hopefully we'll see one or, one or either or both of those changes. Well, let's see what happens. This is quite the interesting thing because we're doing this podcast. We're recording it as the game goes on. Will our predictions be right? Or will they be completely wrong? That will be fun for you to find out as this goes on. Um, we've got a couple more questions. Uh, quick fire, lads. Colin, Peter Lee asks, what's the weirdest thing you've heard a bloke behind you say at a game? So in the 2015-2016 season, the first Premier League season under Kike Sanchez-Flores, the chap uh, before me around Christmas time, he, uh, he stood up uh, and the uh, game wasn't going very well. And he said to his mate standing next to him, I don't know why everyone's getting on Gerardo's back. <laughs> <laughs> well, that might be the one good game he had. Maybe, maybe that was just a coincidence. No, no, okay. he wasn't having a good game. <laughs> My favourite thing was um, this guy launched into a long story. It's not football related, but it made, it's made me laugh for the, for the 15 <laughs> years since. He was t- t- telling a story about how he went out in the middle of the night to get something. I think it was for his girlfriend or his partner. And uh, he said, oh, yeah, I went down there, went to the 24-hour garage. So bear in mind this is a 24-hour garage, yeah? I've got dressed, put my clothes on, middle of the night, driven down to the 24-hour garage, and what did I find at this 24-hour garage? It was shut. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he, he just sort of, I can't remember what game it was. It was obviously about as entertaining as, as Stoke v Watford 2021, but he went up this long sort of um, spiel, and then just the punchline was delivered perfectly. So that was the, the best thing I've heard behind me. I sit behind, uh, oh, behind me sits Jason's uh, missus and her, her mum. And, and the first few minutes are always there, like catching up conversations, which, which aren't particularly <laughs> worth telling, but they're, uh, they're quite fun to sort of, oh, have we doing that this week? Oh, that's quite interesting. Um, I do chirp in every so often. Um, yeah, you only, you only get that for five minutes. I get that all the bloody time. <laughs> <laughs> do, you know, do you know my favourite thing in a football crowd is when, it's not going very well. We're not a bit like tonight. We're not really creating very much, giving the ball away and giving away sort of half chances. Exactly like tonight. And people get up and the whole crowd rises and has a go at the lino or has a go at the, uh, the keeper for not doing something or, you know, just shouting at the team to attack. And then it all goes completely silent. And then one guy, this happens, uh, it happened to me sitting in the rookery, one guy just stands up and goes completely mental. Just, I mean, he can't even understand what he's saying, but <laughs> completely on his own. Without, and everyone just, just stands and looks at him. And the guy next to me looked, he said to me, he said, uh, he said yeah, every man's got his breaking point. <laughs> <laughs> that, that used to be me, you know. My brother used to be... What, uh, the solo rant? Yeah, and, he, and Andy used to be genuinely... I mean, he loves me, obviously. He's my brother, and we love each other. But he used to think twice about going to games with me. He was ashamed of me um, more often than not. I think it was a period probably during the 90s when there wasn't much going on, so the atmosphere wasn't ever particularly ever particularly sort of uh, raucous and noisy. And I would never think twice about just standing up and unloading the most ungodly sort of tirade of... And to be honest, it was probably completely nonsensical and unfounded. Um, but yeah, I just I just carried on and I'd sit down and Andy would be sort of looking the other way, have his head in his hands, or just have left completely. Jace, what about this one though? Question from B- uh, Baldo. Uh, he wants to know who of the Watford, past or present, would you like to bubble with? Have part of your <laughs> your social bubble. So out of all the out of all the thousands of Watford players, yeah, yeah. 
I, I'm going to say I'm going to say Steve Harrison because he'd make it a good laugh. It's, oh, it's a okay. difficult time for everyone. We need someone to keep us happy, to keep us entertained, and I'm sure Steve Harrison he's well known for that. So I think he'd do a good job of that. I was going to go with Martin Taylor. I just think that we'd have some good deep conversations, but have a bit of a laugh at the same time. Mike, big for me. Tony Cohen. Oh God, I don't know about that. Um, Mike, uh, Mike, here. This is from Cameron. Uh, Cameron Smart. He says, which would be the better WrestleMania? Headline: Was it Messina against Pearson or Dini against Ivic? Oh, it's a good one, isn't it? I'd like to see, I'd like to see Messina against Pearson, but I don't because I don't. I think that was very mythical, isn't it? So that would fit into the the wrestling canon quite nicely. I'm not sure it's a good one. Do you know what? It doesn't. It doesn't sit nicely with me. This question, sort of um, uh, Watford player on Watford player. So I'm going to my headline uh, act would be act my headline bout. Uh, WrestleMania 38, make it happen, Vince. Uh, Harry the Hornet against Wilfred Zaha. <laughs> oh, perfect. I was gonna, I was gonna go for um, Boothroyd versus Fitz Hall because oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They, they weren't. They obviously both uh, Watford connections, but uh, they weren't both at Watford at the same time. So that one sits a bit more nicely for me. Well, the second half has started. Uh, we'll see if our uh, tips and uh, for for uh, Cisco are going to happen. Uh, and if this game can be turned around from being a bit of a nothing game to being a, a something or another. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX's Welcome to Wrexham premieres May 2nd on FX. Stream on Hulu. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. From the Rookery End, a podcast about life following Watford FC. Remember to get your subscription to The Athletic for only three ninety nine a month. That's half price. You just need to go to theathletic.com forward slash rookery end, uh, where if you subscribe, we look quite good because uh, they know it comes from you being a f- listener to From the Rookery End. Uh, there you can check out all the stories that are written about Watford, uh, keeping up to date with everything that's going on, everything that's seriously going on in the transfer market uh, with Adam Leventhal and his coverage. Uh, there's a fantastic interview, though, that he did this week. We spoke about it on uh, on the Midweek podcast, uh, but he caught up with uh, Jonathan Bond, who's off to sunnier climbs in Los Angeles. Uh, but it's, of course, all the world-class journalism and world-class writing uh, that you get from The Athletic uh, Again, that's going to theathletic.com forward slash rookery end. And if you do subscribe, of course, if you have the Athletic app, you get these podcasts absolutely ad free. So take out the offer today. 
Uh, there's a lot of Watford podcasts out there now. We aren't the only one. Do get your ears around as many as you can. And, of course, the one that's been around with us quite a while now is Hornet Heaven. Uh, Colin uh, is the narrator and the voice of all the characters in Hornet Heaven, written by Ollie Wicken. And in this episode, it's about the, the many pleasures of football that have nothing to do with kicking the ball. Uh, and this clip is where Henry discovers that Bill Mainwood is a groundhopper. My goodness. Henry said, where have you brought me? To my favourite football ground in the world, Henry. I just enjoy being here. I'm a bit like that with football grounds, you see, Henry. I like them for their own sake. Really? (laughs) You're not one of these, uh, what do you call them now? Uh, Ground hoppers, are you? I really didn't have you down as an unwashed, social inadequate in a duffel coat and bad slacks and bad trainers, clutching a plastic carrier bag containing a pencil and notebook and a Tupperware box of white bread sandwiches. Well, (laughs) I do try to hide it, Henry. Those of us who aren't quite in the mainstream of fans tend to get a fair bit of... Ha! You're a secret saddo! Abuse. I bet you keep a tally of how many grounds you've been to with Watford. Oh, <laughs> uh, you've got me bang to rights there, Henry. Watford have played league matches at the homes of 124 clubs, and I've been to them all. It sounds like you do well to keep it suppressed most of the time, old thing. Well, uh, I did struggle to keep a lid on it between 1971 and 1983, when Watford played on 92 grounds in 12 years. That was a very heady time. Marvellous. Good old nerdy Bill. Here we go. We have just had a moment, um, which we don't normally hear when we record the podcast, uh, but uh, it is a penalty for Watford. Mike, uh, any worries about a penalty yeah, for Watford? Yeah, this is, ex- this is exactly, <laughs> if, if Watford were going to score, this is exactly what I didn't want to happen. All this talk about Troy going straight down the middle, I thought, well, next time he has a penalty, it will play on his mind. Um, and lo and behold, a couple of days later, he stepped up. Straight down the middle, one nil. Get up! Come on, you! Yes. Oh, Troy. Okay, Absolutely. he's only just taking it now on my feed. Yeah, <laughs> what a slight delay with uh, with this. And he's done. Oh. He's done exactly. He's done exactly as he always done. He smashed it straight down the middle. The keeper has. Well, he hasn't. He's put it. He's put it to the right. But what he does, he just hits. He hits it so hard that, as we saw on Tuesday night, even if the keeper gets it, the likelihood is that he's he's not going to stop it or he's just going to dislocate his wrist. So, well done, Troy. Watford have um, have broken through, and it, and it all came through. Um, we did break through, and 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 Saar got in and and put the goalkeeper under pressure. He wasn't able to deal with it, and it looked like he might have been fouled for a penalty. Uh, but then João Pedro broke onto the loose ball and, and was brought down by the, the keeper. He was complaining that he didn't touch him. I don't think he can have any complaints whatsoever. So it does go to show that when we do get into the penalty area with the ball, we can cause problems with these players we've got. It just doesn't happen often enough. It's the first time um, that we've seen them really get you know men forward in numbers. And, uh, you know, they suddenly did look a bit panicky, that Stoke back line. It was a lovely little sort of dink over the top to Saar, wasn't it? It took out all the defenders and he, yeah. he'd made the run, got on it, got his foot on it, brought it down. But there was no space for him to really get the shot off. But we were a bit lucky there. It just went wide and Pedro came in and 
But yeah, it just shows that when we when we have that ambition and we get four or five men forward, we can really put the uh, the opposition under pressure. Just haven't done it enough, really. Well, I'm just saying, lads. I'm just pointing it out. I'm not sure if it's the actual reason, but it was four minutes or a couple of minutes after Zinconagel came on, and we <laughs> did say get the boy on the pitch and look. The game has changed. <laughs> I mean, it's important to say that we were quite negative about the first half, and that's, I think, we were we were um, perfectly entitled to do so. But what I, I didn't say was that you know what we have done is we've given ourselves a foundation away from home. If you can't be leading, if you're not losing, then you're in in with a decent shout, especially if you can if you can start being a bit little bit more threatening. And we don't mentioned it off mic, didn't we? As the second half war on that they did look like they stepped the tempo up a little bit and they were starting to to make more inroads and uh, and you made the point John that, that Zinkan I slightly tongue in cheek that happened so quickly afterwards but you know him coming on does give Watford a, a, a better and more interesting dynamic in in the middle of the pitch and now it's uh, it'd be fascinating to see what they do now 66 minutes gone um whether they sort of try and Hold what they have, or which I guess they will, won't they? Try and hit hit Stoke on the break. It's been the been the story of the game so far. Things aren't going to change that much, but yeah, glad to be ahead. But really fascinating to see how they they cope having uh, having nicked that. So um, yeah, so my question to you lads is a bit flippant, but just thinking, Troy, once he's finished playing football, what about um, a special team spot on an NFL side uh, taking the <laughs> um, the field goals? Because if he if he can hit a ball that hard, he can probably clear the post from about sixty yards. He wouldn't he wouldn't be the first ex Watford player to do that, would he? Who's the other one? Ah, didn't Tony Miola? Go on then, boys. Not Tony Miola. Oh, no, C- Clive Allen, but he never played for us. No, no, no. There was Clive a, there was Allen a played for player. the uh, for the London Monarchs, didn't he? Yeah, there was a Watford player that went to the NFL. I think he played for the Jets. And Tony Miola tried out for the Jets. Broncos. Who, Jason? Who? David James. It was uh, no, no. He was he was uh, a bit bit earlier than that. I think he was he was a place kicker in the seventies. Played for Watford in the sixties, I think. Ooh, wow! This is deep, gonna... deep knowledge, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> Who is it, Jason? It is. I think. Oh, 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 oh! Yeah! Go on. What a goal! <laughs> That's well taken. What a goal! Oh, I love that so much. That's what we've been waiting for. That's what we've been waiting for. Magnificent. Absolutely magnificent. Well done, Ish. See that big smile. Oh, that's a great goal. It's Kiko into, into Dini. Dini gets the assist. Lovely ball from him. Mm. Remin- reminiscent of the Dini Agalo relationship there. No, reminiscent of the goal against Liverpool. Oh, great finish. Just a lovely, lovely ball through. Great weight from Dini. Second touch. And it just bounces over the goalkeeper's arm. It's a hell of a good goal, that. Been very, very critical of Ismail Assar, looking like he's been lacking a lot of confidence and not quite knowing what he should be doing with it in when he gets into those dangerous areas. Well, not a bit of it there. What an absolutely stunning, instinctive finish. And you can just, just look at him now, just in the in the in the seconds after that, the the sort of the, the body language and everything is just vastly improved and I know that's it's very reductive so he doesn't look like he wants to be there but he has looked like he's he's found it tough and just straight away seeing him take that goal and just the look on his face and the way he holds it was himself. relief it was relief in his in his body language like, oh. Oh, oh here we go again <laughs> <laughs> come on Xiao. 
I mean, also, I think I think it's made a big difference to Deeney. I mean, if you're a player that uh, expects to really contribute and all you're really doing is taking penalties, suddenly to, to put such a good quality ball in and see the see the goal scored, it just you just feel like you've really made a big contribution to the game and that will help his confidence as well. I mean, I'm not sure that he lacks confidence, but you know what I mean. And, uh, yeah, I think, you know, that was, that was just... The angle, I mean, it wasn't a great angle for Sir, was it? And he had a postage stamp to aim at and he hit it. Yeah, so putting Troy Deeney's um, place-kicking career on hold, it was Bobby Halfield was the uh, answer to the question. (laughs) From the rookery end. There we go, gentlemen. It was wonderful in the end, wasn't it? There was nothing bad about that game. No tensity, no nothing. Watford... 2-1 2-1 winners over Stoke. Uh, a late goal uh, in the fi- uh, 82nd minute from Stephen Fletcher. Certainly put us uh, on, on edge and Colin constantly looking at the clock and telling us exactly how many minutes were left, Colin. Thank you very much for that. Uh, but I suppose, you know, we, we, we've talked about the game, what's happened and, and the goals. It was just back to the front. Barkman was in goal. He had a couple of great saves. Yes, the goal went in. But, it, you know, he really is, Jason. Really, it's going to make it hard for Foster to come back in again, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Today was probably his um, most difficult game so far. I think he didn't have too much to do in the uh, in the first two games that he's played. But uh, I think, yeah, to, today he had some saves to make. Um, perhaps they were at a nice height. Perhaps they were they were close to him, but he slept to make them. They came at him pretty quick. Um, and you've got you've got to make those saves. We've seen. Goalies make mistakes. We've seen Fozzie, unfortunately, has made a couple of mistakes this season. And there was none of that from Backman today. What I also liked at the end there, when uh, I think it was, a, it was a, a, a loose through ball from Stoke, he dribbled the ball to the uh, sort of back corner of the 18-yard box and waited for the striker to come along, just to wait a few more seconds. So we know Fozzie is the uh, is the master of the dark arts when it comes to time wasting, but it looks like Mr. Backman has a few tricks up his sleeve as well. So kudos, Daniel. Yes, absolutely. The goal, uh, Mike. Um, you know, we, you know, performances from the defence. Messina had a, a great performance in, in part of his return to uh, this Watford squad full time. Uh, but generally, you know, we saw the substitution uh, of Cathcart for Sierra clearly because we can make those substitutions. The number we can make, it was it was wise to take off a man holding a, a yellow card, um, and it, it it didn't go too bad for that change, did it? No, I think it's brave move, isn't it, to sort of alter uh, what looks like a relatively solid centre back pairing. It's, it's, you know, it is the the foundation really of the whole team, isn't it? If your centre backs are, are confident and, and in control, then everything kind of stems from there. So it's a brave move to to mix it up. It's the second game in a row. There's been sort of relatively wholesale changes as the game has progressed as the game progresses. And what you get with Craig Cathcart, we saw it on Tuesday. He got the ball is on the Watford right hand side. Uh, Barnsley player bearing down on him. No nonsense. He passes it out. Uh, absolutely, you know, when in doubt, put it out. And that is Craig Cathcart to a T. So, as you rightly point out, Sierra on a on a yellow card. Perhaps um, accepting that Stoke are going to come more and more into the game as as it wears on. Bring someone in like Craig Cathcart who uh, who isn't isn't walking that that tightrope of perhaps getting sent off. So. 
he, he went for it and yeah, slightly disappointed. It's a nice little dink in for the for the goal. A nice little ball over the top, little weighted. Um, just used the the sort of the, the ball came onto his foot and and just lifted it over. And Stephen Fletcher did what he had to do to get the ball into the back of the net. Disappointed. There's perhaps that there was that amount of space in the in that area of the of the pitch when you tune it up you just want to be snuffing things out and just it was a be... lovely ball through though it was a nice ball but i think that you want someone there where that ball landed you want someone there just to get rid of it and whether i don't know if it was Cathcart who came out a little bit too soon and allowed the ball to go over the top perhaps we're, we're nitpicking a, a, a little bit but i think so we did concede and made it what you know certainly for me who <laughs> i'm the worst person to watch football with as i mentioned earlier um it was it made it a sort of more stressful 15 minutes than we we might have we might have hoped but what what watford did do well and led by that de- defence and led by daniel backman was they actually saw the game out pretty well you know we feel it you know we're talking right after the game and the adrenaline sort of slowly seeps out the body and we calm down and we we come to terms with what's happening and as you're watching it it's all like they're almost going to score and they did have that chance a sort of header at the back post right at the end where you probably should have done better but largely speaking they did okay didn't they it wasn't panicked really it wasn't too hastened jason it wasn't too awful i wonder if the watford tiktok account will get anything out of that last sort of three or four minutes probably probably not will they it was it was all right and i think ultimately that defensive unit has has served us well so far this season it's been the one consistent good thing that we've been able to sort of hang hang our performances on and as as it proved again tonight so yeah even with the changes um i think that's something that we can be we can be confident with craig cathcart a seasoned international coming in at center back to replace someone who's who's playing really well is it isn't a bad thing is it jason the uh, up front uh, we were not yeah, we're probably slightly critical of Troy. I couldn't quite see what he was adding to the game. Uh, given the man the match, but in the end, uh, on the Sky Sports coverage, uh, had a much better second half. I mean, put that ball through for, for Sars, Sars' goal, took the penalty and, and scored that as well. But, you know, it is that sort of thing where he's he does... He gradually, it took he, he was able to, to put his uh, stamp uh, on the game. Yeah, and I think that sort of followed the, the pattern of the team as well. Because I thought we came out in the... Second half with a little bit more tempo about us, a little bit more desire to to get higher up the pitch. We were pushing a little bit more, um, and Troy, as we sort of grew into the game, I thought Troy grew into the game as well. Obviously, scoring another penalty is going to going to give him even more confidence. We were nervous about the penalty for the reasons we mentioned earlier about where he's going to put it. Um, but he did what he does. He got the goal. And then you could see both he and the team's confidence grew. Um, and the, the the second goal, obviously a, a, a fantastic goal from Saar, but made by that well-weighted pass from Troy Deeney. Um, we, we've seen the way he's playing with Pedro up front. He's the one that seems to be dropping deep. So he's in that position. He's found that space to... Re- to receive the ball and he's made it count by playing such a good ball through for, for Sar to run past him and, and then finish with real quality. And it was lovely seeing a quality goal like that. Um, one that comes from, you know, let's say a beautiful ball coming through. And as we've already spoken about, it, it can only be a thing that lifts the confidence of Ishmael Dessar and, and lifts the, the pressure he might be feeling uh, on his shoulders. Um, Colin, you know, it, it, I suppose we, we also look at this side as individuals in terms of the players um, as a whole, but we haven't talked about Cisco in terms of what he's adding. Uh, uh, you know, we, we're, we're finding out a bit more about what his Watford team will look like. And 
for me, the, the most important thing was the fact that we kept our heads against a tough, physical, Stoke side, which is what we come up against quite frequently in the championship. Not Stoke necessarily, but physical sides. Um, but almost like that mentality of, of the team is, is really starting to... I don't know, I, I, maybe it's not starting to shine through, but it's definitely making me feel a bit more confident in it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think um, there's a number of things that Cisco seems to have brought to this group of players. One is he, sli- he clearly trusts all of them. He's made nine substitutions out of ten in the last two games. So he, he's picking from a, a, a bigger pool. He's trusting players to come on. His game management is good. I thought tonight uh, one of the things that impressed me was that we really stood up to them physically. We didn't let them bully us. We, we had a pretty torrid first half where we couldn't really get our foot on the ball and control the play. But, uh, and they had a lot of the ball and they, were, they, were, uh, they weren't knocking balls, high balls in, but they were using their strength to, to try and get on top of us. And actually, we were able to stand up to them really well. Then at halftime, they go in. Munoz says whatever he says, gets them going, and we come out and we play at a much higher tempo and, and we're able to create the opportunities to, to score goals. He... He seems to have brought um, some more, ener- a lot more energy to the squad. We, we defend with more energy and more dynamism. We, we are willing to get forward in numbers. OK, not in the first half tonight, but in the second half, once they started to tire, we were able to get players forward and create opportunities for ourselves. They're playing with smiles on their faces, I think. Even if it's not literal, you get the sense that they're playing with smiles on their faces. They seem to want to do that little bit extra for the new head coach. Like They'll just put a bit more in than they were under the previous coach. And that is a great thing in the championship. They seem together. They seem unified. Players are coming off the pitch. They're running off the pitch so that the new guy can get on and keep the game going. We saw the game out. Uh, pretty well, as, as as Mike said tonight. Uh, we had a couple of moments. There was a header right near the end, which was a whisker wide. And it would have been, I think, unfair had we not won that game because I think on that second half performance, we deserved it. But um, that's three championship wins in a row. And I think that this guy, Munoz, is really start... We're starting to see a little bit of him, of what he wants. He talked in the, in the pre-match on Hornet Hive about his passion. He said, football without passion is nothing. And I, I play, he's played football until quite recently. He's a, you know, he's a passionate guy and he's, he's starting to feed that passion into those players, those young players particularly, revitalise the senior players, get them to do that little bit extra that they might not have done a few weeks ago, a little bit of extra running, because he says, look, when you're tired, you can come off. He took Cleverly off, brought Wilmot on tonight because Cleverly had had a, a bit of a clash with one of the players probably... You know, at his age, it hurts and you think, but, you know, it's like, no worry, you're fine. Come off. Wilmot comes on. He's got all these players and he's he's happy to use them. It seems like a unified group. It it is quite exciting times. I know at halftime we were a a little bit, you know, low because it wasn't great, but he's turned that and he's turned it into a good second half performance, which has led to another win. So I think at the moment it's all positive about Munoz. Bit by bit, they're getting better. And I think that's what we were lacking under Ivic. We didn't see that, yes, we were sort of nicking the occasional result. And yes, we were staying in touch. But we weren't seeing that upward trajectory in terms of the performance. And I think Colin's right to, to make the point about how the players are interacting with each other and just their general demeanour. It is The energy does feel higher. Just watching, uh, as we talked, there's the, uh, the replay of, of Sars' goal, which was an absolute beaut. What a joy to see a nicely worked goal. Goal of the season, I would say, so far. But just the reaction of Troy and him afterwards, just discussing it and enjoying it together. And there, there is a lot of that. Before the game on Tuesday, there was a lot of camaraderie, obviously. There was... 
it's my, um, Pedro and Chalaba were dancing their way out to the pitch. And these are little things, but they speak to a side who is enjoying themselves a bit more. And it, with talent, talented players, if they're enjoying themselves, that the, the, there's a higher likelihood, I think, of that that talent coming to the fore. And it's interesting, isn't it, to look back about 45 minutes, an hour ago, 50 minutes ago, we were pretty despondent at half-time. But now looking at it, having taken a breath, that was almost the perfect away performance, wasn't it? Go in at half-time level, have enough quality to get ahead and then stay ahead. Um, and I think the good thing about Huddersfield on to Barnsley was that Huddersfield was OK, got the result against a weakened side, then played a better side against Barnsley and had to be organised and on it to win it. And they did and they looked better. So the home performances, those two got better. And then this was almost the perfect away performance. And so finally, it feels like they're clicking into gear. They're by far and away, they're not the finished article we we can't sit here and put a cigar and say well there's the Watford we've been waiting for all season because I think we're still having to work very very hard to get a foothold in games and still having to work very very hard for their goals but it feels like they're sort of the cogs are just clicking slowly forward and that tension is getting stronger and the whole unit just feels more able um, and that's that's what I've enjoyed about about this week we've had three games in a week um, and we've won them all which takes takes doing at any level and the fact that they're getting slightly better with each one is is hugely encouraging we've been here before we know not to get too overexcited because we just know that you know the next game could you know Tuesday on Millwall it could be uh, we could be back to square one but it, the, the fact that finally they're getting that incremental improvement and some of our better players are starting to look more and more confident it's uh, it's a nice way to start the weekend, isn't it? Oh, it's a very nice way to start the weekend. Uh, <laughs> and a, a stress-free weekend it shall be, uh, which is always quite good for the wife and everyone that's around me uh, and all of us, I suppose. Thank you uh, for joining us on uh, with us uh, Friday night, just hanging out with the lads, having a couple of beers and chat about football. Uh, and we'll be back with another podcast after the Millwall game in the week. Michael, thank you very much for your time. Not a problem, not a problem at all. Uh, and Colin, I'm, I don't want to say thanks to you because you made the game much more tense. Um, <laughs> Sorry but, about that. <laughs> but thank you for your time. Thank you. Uh, and thank you, Jason. Yeah, to be, to be fair to Colin, I thought Mike was making the game far more tense. <laughs> to, towards the end there. We were getting a typical parking performance for the last 10 minutes, but uh, all was good in the end. Good evening, everybody. Yeah, three games of the trot for Watford. Hopefully that's the, uh, the new normal uh, for the Hornets as we go forward in another fantastic season. Well, that's what we're calling it at the moment. Thank you for listening and do follow us on social media at Watford Podcast on Twitter, Facebook and on Instagram. And you never know, we might find uh, find ourselves on TikTok at some point. Maybe not. Come on, you all! The Athletic.